Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, episode 120. Create more game-changing opportunities. Step out of your comfort zone. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of growth and success on the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And right across from me, as always, is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pam. It is terrific to be joining you again for another episode of Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. And as always, the purpose of this podcast is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for visionary leaders to take themselves and their companies to their next level of growth and success. So Pam, this is the first episode back after our special 14-part summer series, Be the Disruptor and Not the Disrupted. Yes. And if there's anything that could be a theme for all of these episodes combined, it's this. To be the disruptor and not the disrupted, we all need to be comfortable being uncomfortable. (laughs) You've got that right. So we're going to step out of our own comfort zone in this episode by conducting our first ever Growth Igniters Radio poll. That means you'll be able to see in real time how you compare with your peers on questions related to this week's topic of stepping out of your comfort zone. Very cool. It'll be accessible through both text messaging and through the web, and we'll tell you more during each of our two breaks. Now, stepping out of our comfort zones isn't just important for us as individual leaders. Right. It's also important for the success of the companies we lead so we can continue to be the disruptors and not the disrupted. Yes. And today we're glad to welcome the CEO of a successful growing company who does just that. He is Simon Ninens, chairman and CEO of Wayside Technology Group. His company provides clients with easy access to superior IT products and redefines how people interact with technology. Now, Here's a bit more about Simon's background. He started his career at Ernst & Young in Amsterdam, Holland. He joined Wayside Technology Group in 1998 and became chairman and CEO in 2006. He's a graduate of the Advanced Management Program at the Harvard Business School. Simon serves on the board for the New Jersey Technology Council and was chairman of the board in 2007 through 2015. He's also a member of the President's Leadership Council of Stevens Institute of Technology. He received the 2011 Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award in the Technology Services category. Now, outside of Wayside, Simon is a proud father and husband, curious world traveler, keynote speaker, and chief motivator. He's a black belt in Taekwondo and a retired long-distance runner. In fact, he ran many marathons and some ultra-marathons, including a 100-kilometer race. Simon, welcome to Growth Igniters Radio. Thank you. Good morning. Excited to be here. 
So you've run many marathons, which involves literally stepping out of your comfort zone. Tell us a bit about your own leadership journey. How has stepping out of your personal comfort zone created game-changing opportunities over your career? Okay, um, let me take you back in time a little bit. I am one of five children. I was born in the north of the Netherlands. And when I was two years old, uh, my dad got a new job. So we moved all the way to the south of the Netherlands. Now, the Netherlands is a little larger than New Jersey, so it's not that far. Mm -hmm. But Uh the cultures are way different. So the town we moved to was one of the poorest towns in the Netherlands. It was a mining city. I was two years old and we were sent to a very small reform school, uh, which was literally three trailers put together on a field. Instead of those larger local Catholic schools, most of the the kids were Catholic and were were going to those schools. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it was only the four of us, for instance, in my class. Our religion was different. Our accents were different. And I felt different. And my mom cared nothing about fashion. Yet, as often the case in poor towns, small tokens of wealth were important to us as kids. So some of my friends had Mephistos, which is kind of a brand name shoe with five mm-hmm. stripes on the side. Right. Yeah, when it was time for new shoes, my mom did not want to pay whatever for a pair of shoes. It was ridiculously expensive. So we got Adam and Eve shoes, some cheap Chinese-made shoe that looked like Mephisto's, except, of course, they weren't. These shoes had three stripes on the sides, not five. And when we came back home, my brother and I took a permanent marker, and we had the great idea to draw two more lines, and we really thought that this was going to (laughs) work. So so when I came to school the next day, it became quickly became obviously clear that we failed. Uh, kids were laughing and I felt horrible. And I vowed that one day I would be I would be CEO, I would be rich, I'd be living in a big house, I would drive an Alfa Romeo. That was my dream. And, and I was and I felt differently. I didn't grow up there and I wanted out as soon as possible. And I remember watching an officer and a gentleman at a school film in the mid-80s. Uh-huh. And, I, you know, and I immediately signed up for Taekwondo. Uh, that was going to be me. Strong, rich, successful, and with a good heart, a gentleman. I know it's silly, yet I needed to have that image to project who was going to be. And okay. with hindsight, it really helped. A positive image, something to strive for. Albeit it being a little childlike, a naive image of what success actually is. And trust me, I'm still far from perfect. But I now give a keynote named My Life is a Fairy Tale and So Is Yours. And we talk about exactly this. What is actually real success? And what do we actually really strive for in life? Um, I, I look at a lot of things differently than most people. And that's sometimes a big plus, And sometimes that's a big minus. So... Talking about comfort zones, I'm actually in my comfort zone if I'm out of the comfort zone. Uh I felt like an outsider most of my life. And I think it has helped me make decisions for this company and in my personal life that needed to be made. It is only now at the age of 46 in this awesome small town that we live here in New Jersey that I'm starting to feel really comfortable with who I really am and want to be. Okay, so you're really pushing the status quo. You've been doing it all your life. And taking this from your personal life into your professional life, since you've become CEO of Wayside Technology Group, uh, how have you applied this idea of pushing the comfort zone and getting out of that status quo into your organization, your company, and use that to create game-changing opportunities and success? 
Well, I, I believe there's only two ways to lead. Uh, one is by instilling fear mm-hmm. or you can motivate people. Um, I grew up, I worked in an environment of fear and from experience I knew a fearful, cynical, self-centered organization stifles innovation, productivity and destroys it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I learned quickly was that a team is only a team if that team trusts each other. The enemy is outside. I constantly repeated it in the beginning. I said, pull up the blinds. The enemy is outside. Mm -hmm. You would never see an army have the infighting that most organizations have. Um, I started as European controller and they sent me to Paris as the office manager for a very small and very poorly run Paris-based office. And, and I realized, I walked in, the furniture was bad. The fax was literally over the, the, the garbage can and the faxes would oh, go geez. straight into uh, the garbage. Uh, it, 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 it's that kind of an environment. And I realized I'm not the boss here, but I can help. Mm-hmm. What I think, you know, you have to take ownership. You're a steward of this company. Um, so I worked my way up. And ever since I became CEO, I wanted us to focus on doing one thing and that's create a good foundation, a mm-hmm. solid basis to build on, creating that safe and inspiring team and it took me some time to convince the team here that the enemy is outside not inside Um, but let me be clear the organizations who understand this are the only ones that will survive and progress our growth has been steady and we're proud of it so it sounds like one way to get your your company to do new things and to push out of that comfort zone is to create an internal comfort so you feel that you're mutually supportive, you have each other's back, and then you can look out and say, how are we going to do things differently? Right. Um, and first, you have to be comfortable in your own skin. Uh, find out who you really are. Yet more important, find out who you want to be. Imagine it, write it down, dream it, and work at it, getting there every day. Only the dumbest and the smartest people never advance or change. So honing your skills, advance, and trying to find out what truth really is true, as I believe is actually the reason why we're alive. Okay. Mm -hmm. So So fast forward, and the company has become extremely successful. And we hear so many leaders talking about how easy it is for complacency to set in once a company achieves success. Yet your organization, Wayside Technology Group, has been innovating and growing. What would be an example of an innovation initiative that has your organization moving beyond your current success and into that zone of discomfort and onto your next level of success? Yeah, so it's actually usually the leaders that become complacent, not the team members, trust me. Uh, You talk to some of these leaders and all they talk about is their golf game, how bad competition is, and how sometimes lazy and complacent their workers are, always asking for more money. Uh, We kept the focus. Progress for us meant to really become fanatic about three things that set Mm -hmm. us apart as a middleman in distribution. Speed. Because you and I just know is nothing worse than waiting for a quota reply to your email. Right. Accuracy, you know, it's annoying if you get the wrong product. And most importantly, dependability. You need to have a company that you can depend on because if you have a problem, you need to have a team that has your back. When people order products, they can call. I give people my cell phone and said, you know, if it's quarter end in software industry, it's very important quarter end because the pricing are only valid usually till the end of a quarter. Um, if you need to give me a call at 12 o'clock at night. We've had uh, New Year's parties at my house where we had the head of purchasing, the the vice president of information technology present, and we just logged onto our laptops and we were approving orders as we went. 
I'm interested in how can we build an organization that gets more customers coming our way. Focus only on the things that really matter. Okay. So having that dedication to having excellence and being responsive to your customers sounds like it's something of a way to step out of that comfort zone of we've always done it this way, we're always going to do it this way. That's the policy. You're focused on what has to happen. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, correct, correct. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break right now and ask our first polling question. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Simon Ninens, chairman and CEO of Wayside Technology Group, about the benefits that can come from stepping out of your comfort zone. Stay with us. This is Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated. We enable visionary leaders of successful companies to become more successful even faster. We're on the web at businessadvance.com. Welcome to our first ever Growth Igniters Radio poll. In our first segment, we've been talking about creating more opportunities by stepping out of the comfort zone. So during this break, we're asking the first of our two polling questions. What does it take to step out of your personal comfort zone? Answer the multiple choice question and you'll get instant feedback on how you compare with others on this important issue. You can answer via text messaging or through our website. Either way, go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 120 and click take polls under the resources section. You'll get instructions on how to take the poll. And be sure to act today because time is limited. This poll is only open between August 23rd through August 29th, 2017. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. We're talking with Simon Ninens, CEO and Chairman of Wayside Technology Group, about the new opportunities that can come when you and your organization step out of your collective comfort zone. Simon, how can people find out more about you and the Wayside Technology Group? Uh, my personal website for the keynotes is www.simonninens.com and more information about waysidetechnology.com can be found at that website, waysidetechnology.com. You can also find out more in the resources section for this episode by going to growthignitersradio.com and selecting episode 120. So... Back to our conversation. Simon, you talk about the importance of the CEO as chief motivator. You describe yourself that way. How do you encourage your own organization to take innovation risks and move out of your collective comfort zone? In my opinion, if you're the leader, you got to lead. And sometimes you make the right decision. Sometimes you make the wrong decision. So it Mm -hmm. starts with with admitting that you failed. And I really feel within this company, because I grew up with them, I was I was a European controller. I worked my way up as CEO. I knew which people would tell me the truth, the unvarnished truth, and said, Simon, you're wrong here. You're running into this wall. And I think you need that circle of, of good people around you. Um, 
we then focused only on the top priorities. And it's really tempting to say, you know what, our accounts receivable program, how can we approve more people or do we take credit cards? Um, do we go out and get more lines? Do we go into South America? Do we go into Europe? Do we, there's so many things that you can do. Uh, do we start an academy? Do we, do we have a branded corporate credit card? What do we do with the website? So there's so many things that you can focus on and they were focused on only focused on the things that set you apart. Why do people buy from you? And I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. We cannot compete with Amazon, right? We, we right. sell software, we sell laptops and stuff, but there's no phone number for Amazon. You cannot call them and say, hey, I already have 11 licenses. I want to get 35. There's no phone number. There's just click quantity 24. Yeah. Do you get special pricing? No. So uh, people want to have that advice. Well, they call us, but there's nothing more annoying that, for instance, if a bank calls you at night, they should never call you at night because I'm, I'm sitting with my family. I, I, I don't like it. But when I call the bank, I want them to pick up immediately if being sent to a you know, menu of options. So when I came here, I, I dialed in. I was, I was out of the office and I had to go through this menu. And I said, we just got to rip this apart. We, when people call us, it's not just a chit chat. They, mm-hmm. they have business to do. So then, then I got a report of why we dropped, why we got dropped calls all the time. Um, but that was after the fact. And then I thought back about my time growing up with five kids in a busy household. When we did not pick up the phone, my mom would yell, "Pick up the phone!" But there was no one here yelling. <laughs> so, so I, I I got together with with uh, Fito Legritali, uh, our CIO, and and a great guy from north uh, northern New Jersey who also grew up in, in, in a similar environment in terms of you just have to make do with what you got. And he said, how about if we just get a bell? I said, a bell? That would be awesome. So after 20 seconds of people waiting, and now we've made a 15 seconds, we hung up this large bell in, in our call centers and it just started ringing very loud, <laughs> loudly. And, and guess what? Huh. Problem solved. Problem yeah. solved. So, so people, wait a moment, wait a moment. So the people heard this bell and what happened? Oh, they, you know, they have to pick up the phone. And if they didn't, I would run out of my office because I still had an office at the time. I said, pick yeah. up the phone. We got to pick yeah. up the phone. <laughs> so, so you got to watch only the things that really matter instead of right. these management meetings. I, I killed most management meetings. We have them, mm-hmm. sta- you know, I, in the beginning, I had meetings that were, that were stand-up meetings because there were so many meetings. I'm just have them standing. So at least people move on quickly. Mm-hmm. And then I went into most of these meetings and said, can I see the action items out of this meeting? Because you guys were in here for an hour. And this was years, 10 years ago. Um, and they, they didn't have a lot of action items. It was, you know, basically, oh, that department is not good, this department. So it wasn't very fact-based. And mm-hmm. that's what I think. I never understood why we focus on handbooks, dress policies, you know, make people stay late. Why do people even come into the office? If they work better at home, let them work at home. What are your results? Yeah. So the focus on what really matters helps people to step out of the collective comfort zone, it sounds like. It's what yeah. you have to do. Right, but it's also... So I'm, I, I, I believe as a leader, you have to lead because mm-hmm. I've seen many people like, you, you guys should take risks. And when they take risks, they fire them. Yeah. I hire people with the objective to have them retire with us. And we tell people that. And there's also people who worked here in the beginning... Less, but sometimes it still happens. 
where I tell everybody, if you're unhappy, come to me. I know a lot of people in the industry and I will find you a good job somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And people thought in the beginning, is this weird European guy? He's telling us to come to him. (laughs) I'm not going to go to my CEO and I don't like it here. That's not going to happen. Well, somebody did and I found her a great job and she told other people who all moved on. But guess what? Our organization became that much better because people who are unhappy at work have a circle of influence that Mm -hmm. they tell everybody why they're unhappy and And the other thing right it spreads it spreads and it's not good for you and it's not good for them and it's that mentality that that i thought that never makes sense there's so many people all they do is justify well that's just not the way we do things in here you know we we can't do this we can't why Mm -hmm. what if we would turn that around and say well if i don't have a good answer it's the same as my children i got four kids if we do not have a good reason to say no to them, we say yes. Okay. So you're, you're focusing on your employees and really helping them find the best way to make a difference to your customers. Now, many leaders really focus on their employees and they define their company as their internal organization, the people on the right. payroll. But more and more, we see companies... Uh, extending themselves and and getting better reach through partnerships. And one of the things we saw on your website that really struck us was a quote from one of your employees. It said, Wayside Technology Group isn't just a company, it's an extended family that includes not only employees, but resellers and vendors and others. So how did you decide to shape your company's culture to support that? Um, when I came here uh, as a distributor and reseller, when I came here, you sell somebody else's product, right? So we really yep. are an extension of their marketing and sales teams. Yep. Um, so many people say that. So when we picked up a line, we said, well, our sales reps, you know, they don't get together um, because we as CEOs and have a great talk about the strategy of our company. Most people really don't care about that. They want a steady paycheck. They want to have good empl- a good. Uh, a friendly team yeah. and they want to have stability and they want to want to have uh, uh, looking forward and say okay somebody's showing me the way but you don't have two hour strategy meetings and, and financial numbers most people say okay what is in it for me so in order to be successful we really have to know who we represent so yeah. instead of all the business and stuff we said hey why don't we just send our team out and we're going to play baseball together for a night Mm-hmm. So the the people who really mattered got together and got to know each other. So many companies that in, in our industry, and I'm sure in many others, try to cut corners and just compete on price. And we really, truly started to spend time to get to know our vendor partners. And that's not something I came up with. I just promoted what I saw as very successful teams within our company were doing. Mm-hmm. Focus on the human sides of humans understand what is important to them and be real, not some phony salesperson. And life is just easier, much more pleasant for all. I believe that whole, you know, how to learn to talk to people, how to get them to to, to like you and all this stuff. I, I focused on authenticity. If you're funny, be funny. If you don't read somewhere, you have to be funny and try to make some jokes. It, it won't work. But who is it that you really are? And when we found out who they, who they are really... Then we try to line them up with people that we knew were similar and they get to know their counterparts on the customer side and on the vendor side. We have vendors working with us all the time. We have an office Mm -hmm. now where there there are no offices. I don't have an office. Uh, We have all kinds of different rooms together. We We have a meditation room, we have a bar and you work wherever you are. 
and we have vendors working with our teams and they say, can, can we more often come to your office? Because it's mm-hmm. a great environment and then we can work together getting those deals together. We have volleyball teams together. Um, I attend weddings. When people are in trouble, you don't normally see me as a CEO and our, our team. If things go well, it's all great. If things go extremely well, I want to be there to congratulate you. Uh-huh. But I've gone with people to pawn shops to get their wedding rings back. I've had... Um, after Sandy, we've had people blowing off the roofs. I was on the roof of a, of an employee trying to cover the roof with, with the director of operations. Wow. You can say you care or you really you really try to be there. And by the way, you have to be very careful about that because I've had a friend of mine who said, well, I do this employee stuff too. I, I had a company party and we had a family day in the summer and they were still unhappy. I said, were you there? Were you interacting with people? Exactly. You know, I, I think that what is so important here is that what you're talking about is so natural. I mean, it's clear that it's it's just who you are. As you said, it's authenticity. And yet it goes beyond being a nice to do. There's a obviously top and bottom line on growth as well. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so th- that's a very good point because sometimes we run into that with people. Um, I tell them, I will back you up. So if, if we do bad as a company, I and again, working for somebody who didn't do that, uh, I really didn't like that. Things go bad. And then you say, oh, that was that manager. Oh, he is bad. No, you're the leader of that department. You take ownership. I'm the CEO of this company. Anything goes bad with this company, I take ownership. I believe in that. And we've had very good years where our financial performance was not that great, but I believe operationally we did we had the finest year ever. And I told people that. You have to make sure that they understand that you are still happy with their performance, even though financially it didn't show yet. And mm-hmm. there were other years where we had very good financial years and I wasn't so happy with the way we got to our success. People get to know you by communication and 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 day in, day out, you are who you are. And I feel that if we would all do that, because again, if there's somebody, um, I use the example, if there's a car in front of you that does not have the right of way, and you give that car the right of way, then that person in that car is going to say, you're awesome. Thank you for letting me go ahead. You know, what a great guy. But the person behind you is looking at you. What is this idiot doing? Why is he? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right? We've all seen right. that, right? Yeah. right. Most right. decisions in your life are going to be like that. Whatever I do, there will be people here or outside of the organization who will say, oh, it's fake, oh, it's bad, look at this Mm. guy. And there will be people who say, hi, he's trying to make good things happen to other people. And for me, a quote that might also sound corny to some, but but not to me, was uh, from Mother Teresa. In the end, it was never between you and them. It was always between you and a godlike person. I really believe that. I mean, if you try to do good, maybe it won't happen in the first day. But if you try consistently be who you really are, I believe good things happen. And that success that, like you said in the beginning, you have friendships and then people are like, oh, this guy, we're just here to have a good time. And and that's where, where sometimes we get into trouble where I tell people, hey, this is not a social institution. We're here to make money. Mm-hmm. And and even though I'm not very keen on, you know, what is our sales budget for next year? Listen, if I visit customers till three o'clock in the afternoon and I got till five o'clock, am I going to stop at three o'clock because I hit my quota or am I going to keep going? I'm going to keep going. Yeah. When I visit, I want to visit as many people as I can, not just what I have on my list. So that's the same as a company. I want to win because we are better than our competition. 
and we are better for our employees than our competition. Mm -hmm. And we are better for the environment than our competition. And uh, so that's why I want to win because we're better. I'm very competitive. And sometimes people get that mixed up like, hey, he's a a nice guy. And then suddenly he's all like, hey, we got to do that. We got to win. You know, that's what we get paid for, right? Yeah. Well, ultimately, you make money. Companies make money through human behavior, through human behavior that makes a difference and makes them distinct to their customers. Correct. And by the way, one word about that. So often now in in Europe and also now it's starting to really happen in the US where being a CEO or an entrepreneur is sometimes uh, seen as a, you know, look at these guys, you know, we're profiting off the rest. And but if it wasn't for entrepreneurs, we wouldn't have a car company that really pushed sustainability. And I I looked at that at Harvard. They had a, a study. It sounds weird, but Nike going to Bangladesh has caused in Bangladesh the birth rate for mothers because they were all on the farms, they were all on the on on outside of the cities. Mm-hmm. They had childbirth of six children. Nike came and they wanted uh, women because they were much more accurate apparently and much better in, in the factories working at this. And they didn't pay them a lot, but they gave them the first step on the ladder of advancement. And the childbirth dropped from six to two. With that, yeah. in years... That organization has done, and it sounds weird because we like we tend to think of them these sweatshops and stuff. But that's the first step on the ladder, and you can keep giving them um, help and NGOs and all, even those organizations are tremendously necessary. Being an entrepreneur does not always mean we're going to build up a smoky factory and we're going to ruin the world. Sometimes the the people that that I've seen help invent medication. Um, yeah. Like Tesla, Apple, they do really good things. Facebook, and now everybody has real information. So there's we are here to make good things happen too. And you can do both. You can be and good for the environment and good for your employees. And also be profitable. It's not just this nonsense about the minimum wage or we can't pay people $9 an hour. Come on. It's not that. Yes. Well, uh, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. We, we are all entrepreneurs in our own way and we believe in, in doing the right things. And it really comes down to being willing to look at what is your purpose and what are what are you about and we're going to talk more about that but first we're going to take a quick break for our second polling question for this episode and when we come back we'll talk more with Simon Ninens CEO and chairman of Wayside Technology Group stay with us You're listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated. We're on the web at businessadvance.com. Welcome to the second question of our first ever Growth Igniters Radio poll. In our second segment, we've been talking about creating more opportunities for your organization by focusing on what's really important and stepping out of your collective comfort zone. So here's our question for you. What is the best motivator for encouraging an employee to move out of his or her comfort zone and into an innovation mindset? 
Answer the multiple choice question and you'll get instant feedback on how you compare with others on this important issue. You can answer via text messaging or through our website. Either way, go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 120 and click take polls under the resources section. The poll will take you just a minute and be sure to act today because time is limited. This poll will be open only between August 23rd through August 29th, 2017. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're talking with Simon Ninens, chairman and CEO of Wayside Technology Group, about how stepping out of your comfort zone can lead you and your company to unprecedented levels of success. Simon, tell us again how people can find out more about you and about Wayside Technology Group. About our company, waysidetechnology.com and uh, for my keynotes at simonninensoneword.com. And you can find out more about Simon by going to growthignitersradio.com, selecting episode 120 and scrolling down to resources. So we're at the part of our episode where we focus on the three immediately useful ideas that you found instrumental in creating a work environment that attracts and retains talented people who want to step out of their comfort zone and create new frontiers of success. What would be a first idea? Really actionable. Really actionable is, I I can't stress this enough, focus on building an environment that fosters employees, removes the hurdle for them and make them realize that the enemy is outside. If you do not have a system of trust and a good team around you that you can really trust, do not go forward. Really decide by yourself as a leader, can I trust the people around them and do Mm -hmm. I want to be with these people? How do you do that? How do you create that environment? Uh, so, so, so for me, um, if you're in a team of people, get to know them, get to know your uh, vice presidents, get to know their wives, get to know their kids, spend time with them, find out who they really are, what makes them tick, spend time with people, really be interested in people beyond, oh, what can they do for me in terms of, you know, this number or that number. Um, we have two company-wide three-day conferences twice a year now. Those are worldwide meetings, not just for sales. So mm-hmm. here's what you can do. You invite everybody of your company, not just sales. And yeah, they have always these great sales or conferences. And the rest of the company who has got to fulfill the orders that sales produces sits in the, in the company and is moping around. I grew up in the back office. I knew how that feels. So I decided to have everybody, the whole world, wide. We have offices in Europe, in Canada, on the West Coast, Arizona, here in, in Florida. We got representation everywhere. We fly everybody into our headquarters. Then they work together. And at night, if you want to do a yoga session on the beach in the morning, that you sign up for that. If you want to do a sip and paint at night, you sign up for that. You want to do the escape room, you want to do Monday night football, you can sign up for that. During the day, What we have is we have volunteers who organize this and it's all about communication and fun. So when you're doing this, it seems like having those extra activities on the side isn't really extra at all. It's another way of fostering that trust. Correct. I've gone to so many sales conferences, right? And there's a CEO talking and a VP of sales talking about their new products or why this year is even more exciting than last year. But to be honest with you, the next day, I couldn't remember two sentences. You know, and, and that goes for a lot of employees. Most of these, 
speeches that people give just fall by the wayside. Instead of you remember that one guy that you talked to at night when you had a couple of beers and who said like, hey, maybe we should talk and we should do this idea. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I wanted to become. So exactly like you said, if, if people really feel that, because many people are not extroverts, they need a little help in terms of like getting to know people. Well, if I know that Joe in accounts receivable also drives a motorcycle and once, in, once went to Japan and I drive a motorcycle and I went to Indonesia, I have a, I've, a, I've now opened up a way to communicate between a sales rep and somebody in accounts receivable or in the warehouse with IT. So if you start doing that slowly by slowly, you feel this. We do it twice a year now um, we've seen tremendously positive results by that and it doesn't sound like a, a groundbreaking idea but trust me it is because people start to better talk to each other and start to warn each other when they run into the, the walls right and it sounds like something that you're not just doing when times are good i mean this sounds like it's fundamental for helping people to feel comfortable stepping out of their comfort zone and creating these relationships Correct. And, and by the way, we do this mostly because when time gets bad, I need to have a team that can, that can adjust and that can talk to each other and understand each other. Okay. That sounds very practical and very important, Simon. So what's the second piece of practical, actionable advice that you can apply to, to this issue? Okay. What I would say second is really look at your handbook, uh, look at your policies in your company and focus on a result-only work environment. You can find those books everywhere. It's result-only work environment. We started mm-hmm. with one-day work from home. Most people let only have their most senior people work from home. We turned that around. I have everybody who can work from home, except, of course, our warehouse and a receptionist, uh, work from home if you can, three days a week. You only have to come in when it really matters. Stop managing what I call AOC, is your butt on a well? Let's call it BOC, <laughs> butt on chair, <laughs> butt butt on chair time. Because a lot right. of managers walk around the well. They were here. Well, what did they do? You know, why are you? How many orders did they enter? How many sales? How many uh, how many invoices did they matter? When why why would I care as a CEO of this organization if you make journal entries on Sunday afternoon, Monday night, or Tuesday morning at ten o'clock? Why? Well, because that's the way we've always done it, right? The the traditional kind of way. um, You actually had to go through something to look at the risks, balancing the risks, because it is a risk. If you're going to give people a certain amount of freedom to say you're going to get this work done, how, how did you reconcile this? So we needed, of course, a system to to make sure that with freedom becomes responsibility. So we do have systems in place, um, electronic systems in place. I can find out everything I want to, which most organizations do as well. Um, so I know how many keystrokes people send, I know how many emails they send out. I know when they log into the system. I know when they log out. But guess what? What those those systems prove to you is what you already knew that the ten percent of the the ten percent slackers and you got the ten percent who are who excel. So you know who you good people are and you know the people that you have to work on. And I got to tell you, we have a lot of young mothers working for us, and they love it that they can get their kids ready in the morning. Oh sure. And and they can go, you know, they can have their kids be there when the bus comes out of school and be there and. Do I really care if you put the kids to bed and then finish your work at nine o'clock at night? When you do that and you start people treating like adults, you will be amazed what they give back to you. 
maybe one percent of our employees could not deal with it and the rest they are more productive and i could prove it to the board they are more productive they enter more orders and there is less gossip because it's just to sit at home and when you have an extra minute spend it with your family instead of hanging out at the water cooler so and i know it sounds controversial and and i call it peacock behavior people get into a role of power and they have to you know, trot their feathers and so look how important <laughs> I am and I can get people in the office when I want to. But what do they do? What you're actually doing is destroying the asset that you should foster. The most important asset you have is the team. Yeah. And so. having real strong idea of what actually has to happen and metrics for finding out that it is, then everything else is is gravy. Right. And and here's another thing. You you have a lot of managers who look at management reports. I find that very hard. I don't like consolidated information. I've noticed over the years, very tricky. I much rather go uh, give me an Excel sheet and we have a data analytics software and mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a factual guy. I'm just, I love going to directly to a sales rep, look at all the orders and say, why was this one smaller? Why does this customer pay with a credit card? Who's the largest customer in Oklahoma that pays us on a credit card? Because credit card fees really take their toll in our industry. And and what was that in 2012? Why is that? And when they tell you the stores, you follow up with them. Let's call the customer together. Instead of looking at some consolidated reports and going like, well, we have to get that down from 22 to 20. Why? Why would I know that that should be 20% if I didn't talk to, to customers? I didn't understand it. So... When I came here, the first thing I did is I just talked to customers and I talked to our vendors and said, what is something you really like about us? What's something that we have to improve? And guess what? They'll tell you. So spend time on that instead of the consolidated reports and layers of information. I I never found those to, to be the end all to it. You know, it's interesting that you say that because going to customers sometimes feels very out of the comfort zone for some people. Oh my goodness, you know, what if they tell us things we don't want to hear? And exactly. <laughs> for you, it's very natural. Yet it it is something to recognize that we all have our individual comfort zones and our collective comfort zones and leading in a way that helps people feel comfortable asking these questions. What can we do to improve? That's that's very important. How about one more very quick action point? If you want to attract and retain talented young people, you better not be fake when it comes to sustainability. Mm. You, do, you have to design, create an environment where you use no plastics. There's no plastic bottles allowed in our in our office. I have water filters installed good water filters. We have the best coffee machine of, of freshly grounded uh, coffee. I don't drink coffee, but we have Runa tea. We have all kinds of teas. You lower the waste. We're almost down to zero waste. Uh, we have LED lights. Um, there is no glue in the carpets. We have uh, in a massive amount of indoor plants who filter the air. Uh, we are installing solar. It will make you money and it will prove to the people who are of the next generation and who understand that we have to make this world a cleaner place, attract them to you. Most people come to us and mm-hmm. say, why do you want to work at Wayside? Because I'm a local person. I don't want to commute to New York City. I got fair pay. 
I have a great office. I can work from home. And when I go to the office, I can sit on a treadmill bike. I can sit on a desk bike. I can sit in the bar and all of that without any plastic. Uh, we, we only have two printers and you can only print mm. if you're a director and you don't need that. Your future employees will hold you accountable for what you do for the environment. And I think rightfully so. So creating that environment that helps people feel safe and comfortable so that they can work at their highest levels of productivity. This has been great, Simon. Any final thoughts about how to create more game-changing opportunities for yourself and your company by stepping out of your comfort zone? So so I'll tell you a story. After I felt stuck a couple of years ago, um, one of my friends who's more on the eccentric side said, you have to attend this yoga. It's a self-exploration retreat, which is totally, trust me, totally out of my comfort zone. But I did. And I, and I loved it. Uh, I, I spent five nights there. And I didn't do much yoga, but there were lots of different classes, including a, a, a painting and, and, and drawing and, and talking. And I felt very uncomfortable. And I, when I was walking away out of the, one of those classes where they, where they were um, drawing together, you had to draw with another person. I said, I'm, I'm out of this. I can't do this. I walked out and was in the hallway and I said to myself, this is what you do. If you want personal growth, you got to go back. When it becomes that uncomfortable, you just go back. I know you think it's ridiculous, but go back. And I, I walked back and, and I did. And I picked up painting afterwards. And I, my friends are laughing, but I do. I oil paint now on Monday nights. I started public speaking and I love it. I give master classes at some universities. I work with the next generation. Uh, like I said, I'm a member of the Presidential Leadership Council. At all those things, I try to meditate more now. I play soccer. I don't watch television. And instead, we play board games with the kids. I read to them a lot. We talk about mythology. And I spend most of my free time with whom I love most, my family, my wife, my kids, and my friends. And I'm still focused on trying to become the best human being I can be. And I hope so, so will your listeners. That's great. Well, thanks, Simon. And uh, we really appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us. It was a pleasure being with you guys. Thanks, Simon. And thanks to you out there for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To check out resources related to today's conversation, share on social media, find out about upcoming episodes or read Simon's bio, Go to growthignitersradio.com and select episode 120. Until next time, this is Pam Harper and Scott Harper wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to discuss. How can we as a team create the energy it takes to leave our comfort zone and redefine our trajectory to success? Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio are service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses, including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated, are prohibited. All rights reserved.